Welcome to the Get Fit AF with Angie Fraser podcast, a fitness channel with a difference. We aim to challenge traditional views on fitness and what it means to be fit AF. We cover real questions from real people, including my clients and friends, chat with inspiring and passionate people, and maybe the odd rant along the way. Join us to get fit AF without the bullshit. Enjoy this episode with Tanya Atley, psychologist. We aim to speak about goal setting in relation to fitness goals. Uh, there are so many ways that conversation could take, but it's especially relevant when we may have set goals this year and then had them disrupted by lockdown. So, how do we change our mindset in relation to to our goals? How we achieve them, and also which values they are connected to. So please enjoy this episode and I'd love to hear from you if this has helped you in any way. Thanks. Hi Tanya, thanks for coming on to speak with me again. I think in our last discussion we had that many topics we could talk about in regards to fitness and psychology that we need to do a little bit of a series. So welcome back. Thank you. <laughs> Happy to be back. Yes. So if you haven't heard um, from Tanya before, Tanya is a registered psychologist uh, currently on maternity leave with um, a very little one, uh, two little ones. Yeah. And so is kind enough to speak to take some time out of her day and speak to us today about goal setting. It's been a really big theme. Um, I mean, it always is every year. We're back into summertime, warm weather. People are setting fitness goals potentially. Um, so I'd love to speak to you a bit more about the psychology of setting goals and, and sticking them out today. Yeah, definitely. I think you're right. It's certainly very relevant, usually at the change of season, especially coming into summer. And then um, the other, I guess, important time for a lot of people is um, like New Year's. So going into a new year, often people like to set new year's resolutions and look at their goals and stuff then so yeah very relevant topic today yeah and I've noticed over the years of working with my clients that I've tried different ways of setting goals for them of getting them to approach their goals and I have read a little bit about um, the psychology of goal setting or um, you know motivation how that works I probably won't go into that too much today because I haven't brushed up on that but I think from um, in my experience of working with clients and even myself I'd like to ask you a few questions on um, what I've noticed over the years but particularly this year is quite different because I know that after what we went through in 2020 we've come into 2021 all full of hope I know that I did and I had so many plans for my business, including doing a lot of face-to-face -face stuff, like some more workshops, um, some challenges for my clients, even a retreat. Um, I've done that in the past and we've all loved it so much. We were so keen to do another one. And all of that's just gone out the window. So mm -hmm. it's one thing to set goals and it's another thing to feel like they've been ripped out from underneath mm -hmm. you. So what do you think is the best way to approach things when that happens? 
Yeah, I mean, none of us, I guess, could have preempted where we are right now. And, you know, I can certainly relate. I felt a lot of that kind of positivity, um, certainly from my clients at the end of last year, coming into the start of this year about how, you know, leaving 2020 in the past and 2021 was just going to be, um, you know, a much more positive year. And, um, you know, unfortunately, it's been probably a lot harder for some this year than last year. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember kind of just encouraging my clients to err on the side of caution when holding, not necessarily hope, because I think that's very positive, but um, being more flexible and resilient and taking the year that was 2020 and um, I guess being adaptable in 2021. It was kind of like, you know, talking like absolutes almost like, 2020 being in the past and like 2020 is going to be different like even just the language around that I suppose you know that it was those sorts of comments that I was hearing from clients and things that went oh maybe we need to be just a little bit more flexible um and I guess that kind of leads into some of that goal stuff that we'll talk about around flexibility um and not having kind of rigid goals yes um so I think uh what the last two years has brought up for a lot of us myself included is like a feeling of loss of control because there has been in a lot of cases not a lot that we can do about it I mean it that all depends I think on how you look at it and um that's a big part being a big part of my thinking but when you do you get really excited about a goal and it's taken away from you you do need to be flexible and I think that yeah as I was saying the last two years has kind of taught it's shown me or it's brought up that a lot of us myself included maybe weren't as flexible as we like to think we enjoyed a sense of control over what we do we obviously don't have total control but we had a sense of agency and there's been some pretty hard times for everyone in dealing with that being taken away I think Mm, definitely um and control means different things for different people so you're certainly right in terms of looking at our thought processes and how we kind of interpret and perceive those like changes and things that happen um but it also comes down to the individual as well so what is your relationship with control like um I'm similar to you in that uh I've probably realized since having kids that I do like a lot more control than I realized (laughs) um yeah it's kind of that whole when my you know my car or my house is a mess is when I'm a bit of a mess (laughs) um yeah Uh, And when I like to, like when I start to feel like things are out of control, that's when I try and create a lot of order in my physical environment. So, and that's not uncommon at all. So for a lot of people, a loss of control um, brings up a lot of anxiety and stress. Um, And depending on what your life experiences have been so far, actually for a lot of people, that loss of control almost represents danger. And that kind of goes back to our previous podcast when we were talking about the stress response. Experience a lot of chronic stress or you have experienced a fair amount of trauma often those incidences where trauma has occurred um, there is that your control is being taken away from you and that's why for a lot of people um, they may have really big reactions to this uh, loss of control especially with lockdowns and restrictions and all that kind of thing might actually represent unstuck feelings of being unsafe for them oh my god never thought of it that way yeah, that actually trigger a whole lot of subsequent yeah. emotional reactions, really, 
that is more to do with things that have happened in the past, let alone just that's the concept of, okay, I'm not allowed to go to work, for example. Go to the gym was a big one. Like I had a lot of clients and just people in general on my social media who may not necessarily train with me, but get really down about the fact that we couldn't train in person. We needed to, so myself and my team were really working hard to motivate our members that wanted to remain members um, and, and wanted that access to us, really trying to motivate them on how to train at home with limited equipment and noticing a lot of like frustration and um, stuff around, well, it's just not the same. So and I had a few conversations with people saying, well, there's really not a lot we can do about it. So we need to make the best with what we've got. And something is better than nothing. But when you speak about people feeling unsafe as a result of loss of control, um, I hadn't really thought of it that way. You, your mind as a personal trainer does tend to go towards like, oh, they're just not motivated enough. And even the clients were reflecting that themselves. Yeah, feeling that they weren't motivated. Yes, because they weren't in the exact same environment that they normally are. Yeah. And yeah, and I think... Um, kind of if we're looking at how to because you're kind of talking about acceptance there so how do we accept that this is the current situation and then kind of move forward with that um and that you know feeds into the uh, goal setting but um first of all I guess what we have to do is acknowledge and pay attention to our initial reactions to that loss of control you know so say for example when you're watching you know, one of the um, like news conferences and you hear, yep, okay, we're going back into lockdown or we're not allowed to, gyms are being closed, for example. What's your initial reaction to that? Because we don't want to discount that reaction and bury it. Um, we want to be able to acknowledge it and pay attention to it and then try to process and understand, well, why? So what, what is that emotion trying to tell me? Like, why am I having a big reaction to that? So we can sit in that emotion, but we don't sit in that for days or weeks or months. Um, we sit in that in the moment and then we move, you know, towards acceptance and then you can plan um, and do that kind of goal setting stuff afterwards. Yeah, I can think of a client who had like a goal to lift 100 kilos and she was well on her way. This was well before lockdown. Um, and then uh, not even lockdown, but an injury and then lockdown occurred and she was just like, what? the hell just happened and I think something you said just really resonated with me before around um, acknowledging the feelings why are you feeling that way about the situation and I think a positive in a lot of ways is that a lot of our clients and probably other gym members um, have a positive relationship with that space mm -hmm. in terms of what it means for their life um the place that it represents where they go that's not work and it's not home and family yeah. so I think that's I guess a positive out of the negative response to having to not be able to go there yeah yeah exactly um <clears throat> and I guess what we would do for that client that you gave that um, example of is looking to actually just reshape that goal um, because that may still be the end goal for her. It's just what that journey looks like might be a little bit different to what she was hoping it would look like. She or he, sorry. Um, you know, I, I can think of an example. So um, 
not necessarily of um, in the health and fitness space, but um, a personal example. So it was my 30th birthday uh, a week or so ago. Um, oh, happy birthday. <laughs> thank you. And prior to, um, prior to Sydney going into lockdown, all my family are in Sydney and I'm regional. Um, yeah, so prior to that, I had planned, you know, a 30th birthday and it was going to be in somewhere like Canberra that was kind of um, halfway. Then when I realised that wasn't going to happen and there were a whole bunch of things that also didn't get to happen last year and this year because of COVID, um, my initial reaction was kind of, I felt really sad. I felt a little bit angry as well and just very disappointed. So I sat in that space and went, okay, well, what's what are my emotions telling me? Because emotions are essentially sending us messages really. Um, and I thought, well, I'm sad because I missed my family, but more going deeper than that, it was more, okay, I feel disconnected. So then mm. I was like, all right, I feel angry and because I had no control over this, this happening. Um, so what I then moved to, so that was sitting in that emotion that I was talking about. I was acknowledging and paying attention to it. Then I was accepting that, okay, this is the current situation. There's not really anything I can do to change that. It is temporary though. And I always remind uh, clients and myself that, you know, these kind of things are temporary um, and then start to implement, I guess, strategies that look at, well, if at the core of all of that was feelings of disconnection, what can I do and what are my goals around feeling more connected, whether it's with family, whether it's, you know, um, connected to friends here or friends that are abroad or um, in other states and then looking at, okay, what are some of the other reasonable things that I can control? Yeah. So that's right. breaking that kind of down into acknowledging the emotions, um, understanding the emotions, accepting, and then kind of moving on and building resilience from that. Well, it stems from a personal value, doesn't it? What came out of that is your family um, and connection with them. And I think in the, in the example of the client wanting to lift 100 kilos, that was the goal we were working towards which was incredibly disrupted. Maybe the goal wasn't really to lift a hundred kilos. It was to be strong. Yes. yes. And she could still be strong in a number of ways. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. 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 So that kind of, I guess, um, when I was reading over some of the questions and information that you sent, I guess, around uh, goal setting and what we kind of wanted to cover um, in this podcast. Was, yeah. To try to keep uh, me on track. Oh, and me too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, um, you know, is that often I think we can be too vague in our goals, but we can also be too specific in our goals. And I'm going to say something that's probably quite controversial uh, <laughs> to some um, is my approach is to ditch the SMART goals. So um, I don't know if you've heard of, you know, SMART goals, the specific uh -huh. measurable, yes. <laughs> achievable, I always forget what R is and T um. time. R is oh is it realistic no yeah realistic maybe. yeah realistic yeah <laughs> so <laughs> me just explaining that is the perfect example of why I don't like smart goals because it's a I guess it's a chore just to remember what smart actually stands for so you know how am I going to really understand um and set those kind of overwhelming goals if I've got to try and remember all of those things I think that there's certainly merit behind each of those um uh, points um, but I think yeah sometimes we just go a little bit too specific or we go kind of um, too broad and we're all very focused on what the outcome is um, which is the what but 
Yeah. And, and look, most of us even know the how, um, you know, but what's actually missing is the why. And you picked up on what I said before around um, giving those examples and the word is values. So values kind of drives um, most of our behaviour, but there are times where it, it kind of, our behaviour is not in line with our values. Oh, all the time isn't that being human yeah so <laughs> um but what i what i've found in terms of um doing goal setting and my experience in the goal setting space is not only within the kind of health and fitness um because there are plenty of my clients that have supported with that stuff as well but um i've worked at the kind of higher end of like child protection where i'm really needing parents to make big behavioral changes um and what I have found is actually the most important part is the why. So when, you know, say, for example, you know, why do I want to lose 10 kilos? What would that actually mean for me? So most people, or I would probably just say off the top of my head, oh, I want to look good. Well, we to go a little bit deeper because that's not really why you want to lose 10 kilos. So it might be so that I feel healthy and that means that I can spend more time being active with my children for example. Yeah. That's a lot more meaningful than a goal that says I want to lose 10 kilos because I would really like to fit into this bikini, for example. <laughs> yeah, we can so easily ditch that one when it becomes very difficult. So like we might start off summer and go, yeah, I want to have it. And I've done it. I do it. Yeah, every year. it. <laughs> I'm going to fit into my swimmers much better yeah. this year and feel more confident. And then I'm like, do you know what? This is actually really hard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to go along with what I can do. Um, but, yeah, that's the stuff that you said earlier about vague and too specific, I come across that a lot, um, especially now. So I'll have people um, come and say, you know, either I want to lose 20 kilos or I just want to get healthier. And in the case, what I most often find, and unless I can really, you know, get my coaching pants on really well, because when someone comes to me and says, I want to lose 20 kilos, I'm like, yeah, we can. There's going to be a fair bit involved in that. And so I see my role as to then coach them through the actions that need to be taken and support them through that process. Um, and then in the case of the person who's maybe a little bit too vague, um, I see my role as trying to drill down to what they really want to do. Because if someone comes to me and says, I'm, I want to join your um, exercise classes because I want to lose 20 kilos and I can come in twice a week, I have to be realistic to them and say, that's probably not the the a best way to go about your goal in in fact we can look at your day-to-day -day, um, nutrition habits lifestyle habits and we can make more adjustments there without you having to come in then the impact that two exercise classes a week is going to have because you may end up at the point where you're going well I've been coming twice a week and I haven't lost any weight but the thing is we didn't actually take the right actions for the goals there yeah and I do find people with really specific goals, like the 20 kilos, um, sometimes they'll get so caught up on that end outcome, like I need to achieve this within X, Y, Z timeframe, that they really need to be focusing on the actions that they take every day as the goal, as working towards the goal rather than the end goal. Yeah. And that's, that's great. Like, you know, we've 
we're definitely 100% on the same page here. There's, you know, so much of what you're saying is definitely resonating with the approaches that I take with my clients as well. Um, and I think that your role as a coach um, for your clients is just so meaningful because you have, um, I guess, that space to be able to really support them and walk with them in that journey, um, which I think is, yeah, certainly invaluable. But when I'm working on, I guess, goal setting with with my clients, it's a similar kind of thing. You have, I guess, a bit of an overarching goal and that, that could be quite vague, um, you know, so if, if I use a lot of my examples are going to be based off like anxiety as an example um, and say, you know, someone who has a lot of social anxiety, let's say social anxiety going to the gym or something. Um, yeah. I see a yeah, lot of that. Yeah. So their overarching goal may be um, I want to be able to go to the gym for an hour Um you know, and for them, that might be a huge deal. So if we just focus on that goal, that goal is so overwhelming. And when I ask them to say, how does that make you feel when you think about doing that? There, there's no way that they're going to emotionally be able to equip themselves to just go straight to that goal. So we use um, in my session step ladders. So we draw a ladder um, and we start off really small and when I mean small, it's like really small. So it might be, I'm going to just look at gyms in my area today. That might be the first step. And each one of those runs on that ladder um, is a small step towards that big overarching goal. And sometimes even just doing all of that in a one hour session is way too overwhelming as well. So we might do it over time. But what we actually want to start to do is to create I guess, micro or very small opportunities for achievement. So we want to boost the our dopamine. So dopamine being that kind of achievement um, hormone. And that's what's going to motivate us to keep going. So if I, I guess, if I achieve that small goal, I'm going to be more motivated to then do the next, next step on that ladder. And what I've actually found with so many um, of my clients, especially a lot of my younger clients, um, is they end up skipping a lot of the runs in the end anyway. Um, but there's less pressure for them to have to, I guess, make those big changes and big steps towards that big overarching goal, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Actually, that's a really good way to look at it. I had a client I was coaching remotely who just could not get in to the gym and do her full session. And I said to her, I just want you to walk in there and squat yeah. then do yeah. five squats and walk out, you know, that kind of thing, just trying to get them in there. Yeah. But that dopamine point is really interesting because in terms of the, the fitness in space, I think it can actually have, um, well, maybe some negative consequences in that people feel good about just having done something, but it may not be the steps that's needed towards their goal. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and particularly when we talk about people who overtrain as well or people that tend to do too much cardio or they'll do any kind of workout as long as they've thrown themselves around all over the place and jumped up and down and become lathered in a sweat. But it may not, they might have a goal to lift 100 kilos and that's not going to get them there, for example. But you get that dopamine hit and you think, yeah, cool, I've done something. Yeah. And I would be drilling down on, well, what's that barrier for them? Like what, it sounds to me like, you know, if they're doing what's familiar to them, they're doing what's comfortable. So what's holding them back and stopping them from doing 
what is unfamiliar and uncomfortable for them and relates directly probably to their stated goal uh just like when when you have people who say they want to lose weight and you know as a coach that the best way to go about that is to look at eating habits yeah. um, but the client will tell you that I already eat really well and I know what to do so yeah. you know let's not go there and that's really really common and again yeah you're probably right that's around comfort but the whole dopamine thing I remember hearing a um an author talk about and I mean he's authored books around in the fitness space around how to train and stuff but he did mention quite interestingly that the self-help market relies heavily on your dopamine hit and maybe even gym memberships to a degree because when you've taken that step to either buy a book or a gym membership for example or some diet products or something you you feel good in that moment that you've taken action but there's still a lot of work to be done yeah and it's only it's literally all it is is a dopamine hit it's not that's what we're looking for is those like daily hits of dopamine that are associated with that overarching goal you know it's kind of yeah so it it might not be to literally lose the 20 kilos it might be to literally or to to feel like someone who yeah is a fitter person or does the things that a fitter person does would that be fair to say and yeah. that you and can then, get a dopamine hit from that yeah and then when you're looking at those like that's an example of where we could be more specific in you know say for example it's yeah so I can feel healthier well how would I know that I was feeling healthier like what would I be yeah. doing what would I be feeling what would I be doing if I was healthier the other thing that we need to be uh mindful of with the goal setting which you know is relevant to what we were just talking about is around language so being very mindful we don't use words like should um yeah that kind of stuff um that puts i guess unrealistic pressure or expectations want to we need to have that balance between what's going to motivate me enough to uh, work towards my goals um but not be too too much pressure so not having that whole no excuses kind of um, approach but something that's a little bit more balanced Um, and part of that too in that kind of goal setting process is also to plan for those contingencies so you know planning for that there are going to be hurdles you know there are going to be times where you know you're going to slip up Um, you know if you're on a diet plan for example there's going to be times where you know you might have a random binge and you know eat a tub of ice cream um we have to be realistic in planning for those contingencies as well so and then asking and planning just planning for yourself around well if that did happen what am I going to say to myself Mm. and I use that as an example of practicing kindness towards myself um and what am I then going to do yeah that's the following the diet plan is a really interesting one because um, I mean, I don't give meal plans to my clients, but I give um, you know, like a, a nutri- what I call a nutrition plan, which is the information that they need and suggested ways of eating that's um, built from the foods that they tell me that they like to eat. So, um, but I quite often find that people do think in those terms of either success or failure so I've been really good all week and then I just ruined it by eating a tub of ice cream um so therefore I'll just give up altogether on my all the other habits that support my health 
Yeah. Um, same with exercise. I missed a session. So this week's a write-off. I'll start again next week. And then we are continually finding people back at that start line. Yeah. I think that's yeah incredibly common across multiple industries and, um, you know, different areas of goal setting for sure. So it's a human condition thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, so what's the word on what you do about that kind of stuff then? How do you? <laughs> I don't know. I think it, it all sits in the goal planning space. So I think we're very quick to set goals, but setting goals is not really like a, yep, I'm just going to write down this is my goal, right? It's almost like an hour or two. It's a reflective space where we, you know, you sit down and you go, okay, well, I think I would like to set some, you know, health and fitness goals. Um, we, I would then, I guess, encourage people to look back. So, you, we use um, what we call motivational interviewing techniques to go, you know, can I think of a, a time where I achieved something and I felt really good or was there a time where I felt really healthy or I felt really fit or I was really happy within my body? Um, you know, what did I do to get there? Um, what was different between then and now? Um, and what, how did I feel when I achieved that? Yeah. So we sit in that space of, yeah, uh, I call it a reflective space um, and really think about that and then spend though, that time setting those goals and planning for, well, what are some potential roadblocks or some hurdles or things that might stop me from achieving um, yeah. my goal? Um, I actually, I use it a lot with kids and um, with young adults, but anyone could, could use it. Um, it's actually a drawing that we do where um, we look at what life is like at the moment. And this is, again, a little bit more broader and um, specific in terms of therapy, but could be used in any space um, around what, what life is like at the moment. So what's my current reality like? And we spend some time thinking about the, not only just situational stuff, um, but my feelings, you know, mood, anxiety levels, stress, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then we draw a bridge over to another kind of section on the piece of paper and that's our desired reality. So that's what we would like things to be like. Um, and that kind of bridge is me helping them get from how things are at the moment to what the future is like. And then underneath, we kind of look at um, what are some of the potential barriers? You know, what could stop me from getting from A to B? Um, and then we can also look at who else is walking that journey with me. So who else are my support people? So it's not really a, like I say, keep it simple with goals, but the process in itself is not necessarily simple. I think it's something that takes time and reflection and support. And I think, um, you know, having a coach um, is invaluable really because they are one of those support, support people um, that can help you with that, not just to keep you accountable, um, mm. but, but a lot of people don't feel alone in that kind of journey as well. Yeah, and um, when you talk about getting from A to B and recognising the barriers, I have sort of, I do touch on that with my clients, but one thing that I've been doing recently is getting clients to visualise what their life will be like yeah. when they achieve their goals, so yeah. setting that vision into the future. However, I think it's really important to note that even if we do want to become fitter, healthier, thinner, um, leaner, stronger, whatever it is, we need to acknowledge the sacrifices involved in that as well. And that's something that we maybe don't do enough as part of the goal setting process. Yeah. 
So yeah. what will the person have to give up? It could be time, it could be food, it could be alcohol or just sitting in front of the TV, for example. And if we haven't really uh, looked at that seriously, then we're kind of setting ourselves up for failure. And when you talk about people who may want to quit, like drugs, for example, um, I've read somewhere before about how the trade-off can be that they're now no longer going to be able to be within their social circle that they're so familiar with because drugs are a part of that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So there's trade-offs to doing good behaviours, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And you've got to be able to really, you know, goes into another kind of psychological um uh, oh, my brain is not working today. A psychological <laughs> I don't blame you. Theory, theory is not the right word, but um, looking at stages of change kind of thing. And that's what we often uh, use a lot with, you know, in the addiction space is looking at people's stage of change. Um, and that's where you can start to, again, do more of that reflecting and assessing around, you know, how, at what point on that stage of or cycle or stage of change is this person? Are they you know, at pre-contemplative, are they at contemplative, you know, are they ready to be able to acknowledge those sacrifices and be motivated enough to, or committed enough to be able to follow through with that? Oh, as best they can. I always yeah. say, that, by no means do you need to be perfect to make progress. <laughs> when you won't make progress is when you expect perfectionism of yourself. Yeah. And then you can't meet it. Yeah. And that, depend, again, depends on, I guess, their growth mindset as well because it is about, it's about growth and, you know, to build resiliency and growth, you know, you have to have setbacks. You have to be able to learn how to go through and come out the other side of those setbacks to then be able to grow. It's that old um, saying, if it was easy, everyone would do it. <laughs> yep. And we'd all be the weight that we want and we'd all mm -hmm. be in our bikinis and we'd all just be happy with that um but even people who are in bikinis are not necessarily happy exactly. either. So I think it's important yeah. to note that um big time but yeah that's and and talking about making mistakes I think maybe this is just me saying this because I tend to make a lot of mistakes that I choose to look at them like okay I just learned from that <laughs> that could be me just putting you know a little bit of a lens on that but I I I do find, and, you know, summer I am, or especially summer, I get the clients who have had potentially negative experiences elsewhere, um, not any one in particular, but in the fitness space in general, because there are so many ways to deliver this service, say, on so many, in so many contexts and levels that it's actually hard to gain people's trust Hmm. and also um, they'll come to you with some emotional issues from yeah. past experiences to do with food, exercise. Um, yeah, it's unreal. So I, I try to make the point, yeah, you don't need to be perfect. And if you make a mistake, like you eat the tub of ice cream, um, you take it as a learning experience. It doesn't mean that you've failed this entire, you know, program that you've set out to do with me. Yeah, exactly. No, I think you've got a, um, certainly got some very good approaches there. I think a lot of your clients are very lucky to have the support um, that you're able to provide them with. 
Yeah, oh, thank you. That's really nice. But uh, I, I find this stuff really interesting, which is why I, wa I wanted to keep talking to you as well, because I just, anyone that, if you, do you know anyone else who's a PT? Because we'll quite often say, like, I obviously know quite a few PTs and we'll mm. all say, we also need to be psychologists. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, it's, it's <laughs> yeah, I think certainly PTs in that space, you know, um, <clears throat> you kind of are psychologists as well or counsellors, you know. Yeah. Um, it's similar to, you know, um, I guess other professions often joke to like hairdressers around. That oh, yeah. Therapists, but, you know, I mean, <laughs> that's why doing additional kind of training in the mental health space or, um, you know, even, you know, the motivation kind of space, um, coaching space um, is really helpful for PTs. Um, yeah. And also knowing where to refer people. Yeah. Well, you can't be expected to do all of it. Do you know what I no. mean? Um, you know, I mean, no one can. Um, so yeah, you, you know, like you were saying about to say, um, knowing where to refer people to um, or even extra resources and things like that might um, be really helpful too. Of which I'm very thankful that you're helping me create one on my podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. And yeah, I yeah, had some discussions recently around, you know, scope of practice, um, what's appropriate to um do with clients in particular situations and um I think it comes down to the fact that we are very accessible so we build a trusting relationship with our clients via you know more frequently seeing them maybe than most other health professionals um just due to the the nature of the service delivery and versus the nature of like your side of things like the clinical side of things mm -hmm. and so we do often um come come across a lot of stuff where it's it's really good to be able to connect with someone like yourself to know that you know we, you're a potential resource there for helping yeah. our clients yeah and I think we need to you know um as professionals we need to work better across industries because it's exactly like what you're saying in that that kind of um accessibility is that psychologists certainly at the moment um are very difficult to get into um, yeah. a lot of people are not accessible because it costs a lot of money there's not many bulk billing psychologists out there um all, although a lot of the free services um have a really long wait list but even yeah. for paying you know psychologists everywhere um are very much booked out certainly um it'd be the same way you are and certainly the same key um wait lists are up to like six months long so and that and that's just not quick enough for people is not, no and I mean we can't generate more psych psychologists really like um so we have to work within a system that's very overstretched but how do we work with other professionals to maybe just better equip people with resources or um, other ways to kind of help them cope in the interim until they could get in to see a psychologist. I feel like when you get some more sleep and your kids are a bit older, you might need to come and do some training for us. That would be fantastic. <laughs> I would love to. Uh, training is definitely my my favourite thing to do. It's um, yeah, I haven't haven't done some tra any training since being on maternity leave, obviously. So. <laughs> Yeah, well, you can start out with us if you like. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's it's really important, and I think 
I mean, obviously there are severe mental health issues that are way, way out of our scope to deal with. But I think that if we can get more people trusting their fitness professionals and understanding that exercise is a potential medicine, at least in the meantime, not to, um, it doesn't obviously replace um, prescription medication that you may have been given, but it certainly plays a big role um, in maintaining not just physical health, but mental and social health as well. Yeah, definitely. And I think it, um, it comes down to, I guess, again, people's relationship with even just the word exercise. Um, You know, I know there are plenty of people and certainly a lot of my clients are not fans of gyms, but that doesn't mean that they can't engage in exercise or physical activity. Um, It just means we need to get more creative around figuring out, well, what kind of exercise do you like? Did you actually enjoy? Um, You know, maybe you need to go and try a new form of exercise or maybe you just need a, a decent coach to help you in the gym or, Maybe you need to go to a different type of gym that has more of a community sense to it. Um, yeah, I think social aspect as well. So, yeah, I think it's unfortunate that um, we do have a bit of a bad name, like the fitness industry. That I mean, there's people much like myself, a lot of people um, trying to do the right thing by clients, but at the same time, there's still you know a lot of cowboys out there, um, places that you can walk into and sort of yeah instantly feel like you don't belong there by the vibe and or just out of place or unwelcome or not up to scratch um so a lot of it is still about you know image social media um and which is unfortunate because we have the ability to as you say work across in- industries and get people into other types of help that they, they may be needing because we have the most frequent contact with them. We get to know them so well. Yeah, definitely. I think giving people the, the courage to know that if they do walk into a place like that, that they feel very uncomfortable in, that there is not pressure that you have to then stick to that kind of um, that gym, for example. Like you don't or don't necessarily always have to be deterred by that either. You can walk away with... Um, I guess courage going well that gym really wasn't for me I didn't I didn't vibe that gym I didn't you know um, none of I guess their approach resonated with me and instead of I guess walking away with that discomfort walk away with that going okay well that's not for me maybe I'm going to go for a, look for a gym that has um, you know more of a community feel or you know um, you know less social media presence or whatever that may be um because that can be really hard for people especially you know a lot of us feel very vulnerable going into you know a gym um and there's so many people have so such horrible experiences um you know and it, it they they kind of let that to them deter them from ever going back to a gym again yeah so they have one experience and go oh that isn't for me but yeah as I say there's so many ways to deliver a service um but on that note I was recently talking to my team who are upskilling to become personal trainers and you know just looking at the qualification and the stuff that's in the qualification and what we're inverted commas supposed to be doing with clients on their first session would just be the shit that would make someone so uncomfortable. I said to them, it's already awkward enough when someone walks in, they haven't met you and they have no clue what you're going to make them do. And then you're going to run them through all of this allegedly, like it's a a medical test. Um, 
yeah it's oh, it's shocking yeah. it hasn't hasn't been updated in a long time yeah that's but, yeah <laughs> a, you'd have to charge people two hundred dollars for their like the, to set them up and b you know it's just awkward yeah so awkward it's all about like you said and you know and that's probably why your approach works so well um, with a lot of your clients is you've just got to be a person you just got to be really human you know it's the same with psychologists um, you know I've seen many clients that had one bad experience with a psychologist or a counsellor and they you know refuse to ever go back to therapy um, you know, and so, so many traditional psychologists have been trained um, that you don't really show any of yourself and I'm kind of anti that approach I'm probably the opposite you know I think we really need to be really authentic um, and we need to model vulnerability for our clients you know so I think that you know you're very good at um, talking about your own experiences and examples like um, that you mentioned in the previous podcast and today and you know talking to your clients giving them those examples so that they feel human and you're showing that you're also human that none of us are perfect at the end of the day, we are all human, aren't we? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's it sad to that power, that power imbalance, I find. Oh, yes. Um, yeah. Traditionally, I think the um, the fitness instructor was meant to be somebody that you put on a pedestal and looked up to and they, you know, never eat anything wrong um, mm-hmm. in every day that no excuses mentality and, and probably, you know, the psychologist would, would have been an authoritative figure previously and it's sad because people will end up with a deficit of mental health physical health if they decide that you know seeking help in either realms is not for them based on one experience but that's that black and white thing it is yeah thank you so much for sharing your insights on goal setting and sticking to it Tanya um if people would like to learn more about what you do where can they find you yeah so you can find me mainly on Instagram at the moment um so I've gone through a little little bit of a rebrand um so I still have my business uh which is Tia Psychological Services and Training um but you can find me uh, at the raw psychologist uh, on Instagram, um, and I, there I kind of uh, just do, I guess, occasional posts um, on resources on a range of different topics. I'll probably post a few on goal setting. Um, yes, after, please. I guess we've <laughs> after we've done <laughs> the podcast, so um, I think a lot of people could benefit from it, and myself, I could benefit from reflecting on maybe doing some of my own goal setting um, as well as a result of some of the conversations we've had today um so yeah that's probably the main place to find me um in my bio on there there is also an email um if anyone needed um i guess further support or referrals or uh, resources no worries well i'll pop that stuff in the show notes anyway and yeah i some i'll definitely be implementing some of what you've said today with my um, clients and within my coaching and can't wait to talk about the next topic. Me too. It's been great. All right. See ya. No worries. Thanks for having me.